Glad you're here this morning, and uh, this this morning is a little bit different, a treat for all of us. We have a, a few people who have been on the mission field. Um, one is uh, the Withams. They went to uh, Miramar uh, back in October, and so we've been figuring out a time where they could come and they could uh, share with us what uh, God did through through them. And that, how many trips have you been on? Did have you counted? Nine. This was their ninth trip that they're, so they're going to be reporting to us this morning and then following the Withams, uh, Tara Henderson is here from Togo and she's going to be giving us an update of what's been happening on the mission field there. So please welcome first, uh, Jim and Melody Witham. Thanks, Pastor. And, uh, I do want to just introduce myself. I'm Jim. It's my wife, Melody. She can sit down. (laughs) Yes. She asked me to speak this morning, so I was glad to do that. All right. So you, church, commissioned the Withams, both Melody and I, to go on mission, representing you and Jesus Christ, to the country of Myanmar. So next slide. Where is the country of Myanmar, you ask? Uh, we didn't know the first time we went either. So, uh, it's a smack dab in the middle of India, China, Thailand. Actually, it touches Laos and Bangladesh as well. It's a co- country that's predominantly Buddhist. Um, you've probably heard them in the news for the past year or so, the Rohingya people that were kind of not liked either in Bangladesh, India, or Myanmar were kind of persecuted and uh, driven out of the country. But uh, we've been going to this country now for about 18 years, and uh, God called us to go back again, so we were thankful to do that. Uh, our trips are kind of slid up. We used to just go for a week of evangelism. Uh, we made so many friends there, we wanted to add a week so that we could visit the missionaries and people that we had met there and encourage them as best we could and... Uh, see how we could be praying for them. Uh, when God calls you to the mission field, he calls you to prayer. It's an amazing thing that he does for each of us to, to root everything that we do in prayer and uh, faith in him. So next slide. Our uh, first week was spent in the previous capital of the country in Yangon, uh, where we encourage missionaries and uh, learn how to pray for them, and visit in an orphanage there as well. This is the orphanage, Chaya Orphanage. They made shirts for us this year. Aren't they sweet? <laughs> All right, and then the second week is when we go and partner with local churches in a different part of the country in the larger city of uh, Manwa. Uh, it took me weeks to figure out how to say that name. Some people call it Maniwa. <laughs> it's Manwa. Uh, so let's go to the next slide. Our first week, we got to spend some time with these two amazing missionaries. These are the two that lead the orphanage there, Esther and Andrew. Uh, an amazing couple. We met them actually before they were married. They were translators for us on one of our trips. Uh, they got married, went out and started their own ministry to uh, orphanages, to orphans, excuse me. And uh, they really felt that's one of the best ways to reach the younger generation is to um, care for them physically, and uh, they're doing this in an amazing way. They don't have, you know, a hundred-person orphanage or anything. They have 
18 kids in their own house plus their own two children. So they do an amazing job there. They, it's under very difficult circumstances. Uh, lots of poverty going on there. Lots of difficulty with kids coming from different parts of the country to live with them. Uh, you can imagine having, you know, a dozen teenagers in your house. Uh, <laughs> it's rather difficult. Uh, let's go to the next slide. You can see a couple of their faces. So a lot of the kids are younger. Uh, they actually give us a show every time we go. They're so sweet to us. They quote scripture to us. They sing songs for us. They learn both English and Burmese, uh, which is their native language. Um, let's see. And uh, they give us testimony of what God is doing. And it just it brought us to tears. A couple of the kids talked about their trip to come to the orphanage. Uh, if you don't know much about the country of Myanmar, there's a lot of persecution, uh, excuse me, there's a rebel army that's basically active in a certain part of the country, and they just uh, come into a village, they inscript the younger people, they get them to be part of their army, they make them carry their stuff, they take them from their homes. So a lot of these kids had come from villages where this had happened, and uh, their families had fled the villages. When the rebel army comes in, they go out into the, um, I was going to say the desert. Boy, am I a desert person. <laughs> they go out into the forest and the jungle there and hide. And uh, they're just in fear of their lives and uh, a very difficult situation there. So a lot of their parents send them away from that. So several of the, uh, the children are kind of culturally orphans where they do have one parent at least. Some of them have none, but some have one where they just can't take care of them. And they're in, uh, you know, a, a scared place, so they, they send them away. And uh, Esther and Andrew are pleased to raise them up, send them to school, help them with their classes, and give them a wonderful Christian foundation that they can stand on. Uh, being in a Buddhist nation, uh, Buddha's working really hard to get these kids. Actually, Satan's working really hard to get these kids. And uh, to give them a good foundation to stand on Christ is just amazing to us. Uh, next picture is uh, the youngest and oldest. That's Eileen Mo on the left and Rebecca, a much easier name, on the right. <laughs> uh, so we've been trying to help out Andrew and Esther with a, a difficult problem. They've had these orphans for years, and they have one that has finally graduated from school. So... What do you do with a graduate from an orphanage? <laughs> so Rebecca is at. She's gone off to Bible school. Uh, she did two years of training there, came back with a degree, and now she wants to go and be a missionary in her own homeland, in the Naga land in the north of Myanmar there. So that's beautiful. So if you guys got any advice for what to do after kids graduate from an orphanage, come see us afterwards. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next slide. Um, we really consider Andrew and Esther our children there, so their kids are our grandkids. So what do, you, what do grandparents do? They spoil their grandkids, right? So we took them to an amusement park. These poor orphan kids that have never gone out to eat, never been to a movie theater, never seen an amusement park. We took them to an amusement park. We put them into... Uh, bumper cars, and we said, go. They're terrible drivers. They were awful. They couldn't even figure out, you know, the, the bumper cars, you, you turn the wheel so much it goes backwards. Didn't get the concept. So, but once one boy did, and he just went and ran into everybody else. It was a fun thing to do to your brothers and sisters, I guess. So, 
And uh, next slide, just a shameless plug. We are also getting sponsors for all these orphans. They really have no other support anywhere else. My wife does an amazing job. Uh, but there are two orphans that have gone without sponsorship this year, Gutar and Antu, fourth and fifth graders there. So if you are, if you love to help kids and uh, feel called to support these two, uh, they're about $30 a month to uh, pay for their room and board and, and everything they need for school. So that was our first week, basically encouraging these. There were some other missionaries that we went to see as well, encouraged them in their mission fields. Very difficult uh, remote villages, most of them to work in, only Christians in the area, and uh, they really need our support and our prayer. So we're thankful we had a chance to do that. So next slide, kind of a strange one to put up there, fears. We've been talking about fears a little bit this morning. Our first week is really easy, a lot of fun. Second week's a little more difficult. That's where we go to a place we've never been before. We work with people we do not know. In a country, we don't know the language. <laughs> so uh, Melanie and I have kind of been in this situation before, so we just go. We know that God will show up and uh, he will help. But uh, this year, actually every time we go, uh, God deals with the fears in my heart. You know, it, it's difficult to go and share the gospel anywhere. I mean, next door, it's difficult. I mean, I get sweaty palms just thinking about talking to my neighbors about Jesus. But uh, this time, uh, God worked on me once I got there with a fear that I was having right then. Um, I had been foolishly looking at the news, and of course the news gives you a wonderful picture of how everything really happens, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, what happens when you turn on the news these days? How many people turn on the news and see militant Muslims on the screen, right? No? No one? Okay. Just Fred Henderson does. Okay. <laughs> All right. So so I was concerned. There's, there's Muslims in Myanmar. They're a small uh, minority, but... Uh, we were going to an area where there was Muslims, and we may, we actually had a chance to witness to some of them. But there's some fear involved with that, right? You you don't want to go and get shot. I, I have that fear. I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys do. But, uh, but God works his wonderful peace in these difficult circumstances when you have nothing else to hold on to but the Lord. And uh, he is gracious to help in every circumstance. And uh, he helped my fears. You know, sometimes they say God either takes your fears away or he helps you walk through them. And he helped me walk through them. So I still had a little bit of anxiety about going out and witnessing. But uh, God made it so I could do that. Uh, let's go to the next slide, John. So we go with a group called International Commission. They recruit people all over the United States and actually internationally now. There's a bunch of Americans here that went all the way to Myanmar, uh, lots of different types of people. There were pastors, truck drivers, housewives, new believers, seminary students, and retired people, mostly just ordinary people that have a heart for reaching the nations uh, with the gospel for God, that God could be glorified all through the world. And uh, we're Americans, so we tend to be a little goofy over there. I don't know if you've ever been anywhere with a bunch of Americans where there weren't a bunch of Americans. So uh, we have a good time together. Uh, it was really interesting to hear a lot of their stories. We actually have a bunch of national people, uh, people from other countries. We had two missionaries from 
uh, Philippines come, three actually, and uh, I was, we, Melanie and I got to talk with one of them, uh, let's see, Marvin, first row, left hand side, second over, uh, Marvin actually is from Cambodia, in, being a missionary in the Philippines, and he was telling us the story about American missionaries that came to his country with the gospel, suffered incredible things, and uh, he was just weeping, thanking us. And it's like, it's not us, it's God that moves people's hearts to go. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they have so much thanksgiving in their heart for those that come with the message. Because God uses this word, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, just checking on you guys. All right, next slide. Why we go. Uh, one of the scriptures that God was using in my life was uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 that says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So we go because there's a huge pull in the country of Myanmar to recruit people into Buddhism. I mean, they teach it in the schools. If uh, you're poor and you don't can't feed your kids, the monastery would be glad to take your children and feed them and turn them into monks and nuns. So um, it's, it's an awful thing. Uh, one of the pastors we were working with actually rescues kids from the monasteries and brings them back to Christ. Um, but... Uh, we understand that um, there's only one way to be forgiven through faith in Christ and to have eternal life, and that's through Jesus. And that's the message that we bring. We don't bring anything fancy. We're just normal, ordinary people that love the Lord, and uh, we go with the gospel. And uh, we're basically harvesters when we're there. We uh, take... Um, my wife told me there's five more minutes. Golly, that was quick. All right. We have lots of stories to tell, so I'll get on to those. Uh, let's go to the next slide. So this is Team Jesus. We had a very small team. We went into a remote village where they didn't want to have a huge presence. Some of the teams were like a dozen people. We had four. We have a translator, a pastor, and Melody and I. So let's go to the next slide. We. Uh, this is... Reverend Than Kip, who we work with, and his wife, Sui, and their two children. Next slide. And uh, we got to witness to all ages, young kids. Next slide. Uh, ladies and uh, men. We went actually to a uh, farming community and got to witness to lots of people because they work all morning and then they have all afternoon off. So we could go to their homes and visit with men, women, and children all afternoon, so if we didn't catch you sleeping. <laughs> so next slide, please. So one of the amazing stories that I just wanted to tell you is how we pray before we go that God would prepare hearts uh, when we get there. So when we share the gospel, you know, that's their opportunity to accept Christ. This man on the left here, we shared the gospel with him. We do it through pictures and different testimonies and things. And we basically came to the point where we asked him if he believed. And he and our translator and the pastor went into a 45-minute discussion where we just sat and listened. And we had no idea what's going on. There was lots of things flying back and forth. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of anger or anything, but there was some tears. And it's like, what's going on? 
And they finally fish all that, and our translator turns to us and says, okay. And we're like, okay, what? What happened? What's going on? She's like, oh, he just had a couple questions. And uh, he wanted to know, uh, he's been searching all his life for the one true God. And only God can put that desire in your heart, right? And uh, we were so privileged to have the opportunity to introduce him to the one true God. And he wanted to know more about him. And uh, he's actually told his kids, you know, search for the one true God, because he's, he's heard all about Buddhists and Muslim and Christians. So, so who, is, who has the one true God? And uh, we had the opportunity to, to speak with him about that. And uh, let's see, did I leave him there? Next slide. Does he look happy now? <laughs> he accepted Christ. And uh, we're so thankful that God moved in his heart to, to believe the message that Christ came down from heaven, died on a cross for his sins. God came to him, to the earth, to live as a man, to know all the things he goes through, and to, uh, to make a way for our sins to be forgiven. Uh, let's go to the next slide. Uh, we had an unheard of opportunity to go into a school there. I mean, it's a Buddhist school. They teach Buddha. Buddha's right on the wall. We went in and shared the gospel. And next slide. How many kids raised their hand to accept Christ? Actually, they all did. They just didn't all do it at the same time. So Melody got to share a front with uh, Pardo, our translator, and they had a blast with these kids. And we're just so thankful. And sometimes you wonder about transformation in their lives. Uh, whenever we witness to people there in Myanmar, we give them a witnessing bracelet so that they basically, we commission them to go share the gospel with other people. So the witnessing bracelet is just an easy way to remember the gospel. Uh, so next slide. One of the kids from the school went home and shared the gospel with his mom. His mom came and found us the next day and asked us to come and we shared the same thing. It's like, I already heard this from my son, but I want to accept Christ. So this is one of the kids' moms there. She accepted Christ. Let's go to the next slide. And uh, one of the big things that Melanie and I were praying about this trip, and we actually asked all of you to pray for as well, was to pray that we'd get to witness to men. A lot of times we go to villages, and it's just the women that are left there, women and kids. So we're always witnessing the women and kids, which isn't bad. But you want the head of the household to know Christ and to be the one that leads his family. So, like I said, we went to a farming community. So in the morning, everybody was gone. In the afternoon, the men showed up. <laughs> so we got to witness to this man and his wife and their children, and they accepted Christ. To me, that warms my heart that a whole family would accept Christ and uh, want to follow him. Next slide. Um, Last story here, and we'll, I'll turn it over to Tara. But uh, it's just amazing to me. You're looking at the faces here, a bunch of white Americans, a bunch of crazy-looking um, Burmese people. We went all the way from the United States to a remote village, to one apartment building, to one lady to share Christ with her. And uh, the woman just left of Melody there. And she accepted Christ. Now, to me, that shows that God cares for the least. The one that is way out there that has never heard, doesn't know. And uh, that's our God, isn't it? He, he looks for that lost sheep, doesn't he? All right. Next slide, please. And uh, oh, 
one more story. Um, some people are easy to witness to. Some people are harder. This guy was a shepherd. How hard do you think it was to tell him about the good shepherd? It was really easy because he understood that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And uh, he and his son, and I believe that's his daughter-in-law holding the baby there, they all accepted Christ. So we are so thankful that God opened hearts while we're there. And just next slide, just to let you know, uh, hit the space bar a couple times. Our team personally saw 134 people pray to receive Christ. And from all the Americans that went in the nationals, 3,028 people indicated a profession of faith. One more time, John. And we want to thank you guys. Without your prayer, without your help, without your financial support, we would not have been able to go. So we want to give you thanks, and we want to praise God together. Gloria, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, right? Glory to God in the highest. We could not have done this without him. So thank you, church. We love you. Everyone needs a mic. Enjoyo, <laughs> umboyo, church. So that's hello in Anavo, the local language in Togo. Um, they actually have two greetings. Enjayo is for a man. Mboyo was for a woman. So I'm enjoying taking Anavo lessons to try and speak to people. And they're all very patient with me as I butcher their language. But we'll get there eventually. <laughs> So my name is Tara Henderson, and I am a missionary with an organization called ABWE, Association for Baptists for World Evangelism, in Mongo, Togo. So just wanted to give you, and I belong to this church when I'm in America, <laughs> um, just want to give you a quick update um, about what's happening in Togo. I'm there for two years, um, and I've been there for five months out of those two years. So just home for Christmas and getting ready to head back on Friday. Next slide, please. So quickly about Togo, like um, Mr. Witham said, he didn't know where Myanmar was when before he went. I had no idea where Togo was before I went. It's a small little French fry of a country in West Africa. It's green on the big map, and then the zoomed-in map is the country itself. And I'm up in the northern part in a town called Mongo, spelled like mango, pronounced Mongo. Um, approximately um, more than 7 million people. Um, the population of Mongo is slightly bigger than Ridgecrest, 41,000. It's about the two times the size of Maryland the country is. The main religions, there's Christianity, Islam, and folk, which is like your witch doctors, your spirits, your charms. Um, most of the Christianity is in the southern part of the country. Islam is up in the northern part, and folk is kind of spread throughout. So where I'm at um, in Mongo, it's actually predominantly Islam. And my people group that I'm working with predominantly are the Anafo people. Next slide. So as I said, I'm with an association called ABWE, and there's actually a hospital in Mongo. So that's why we're there. I get to work with a lot of doctors and surgeons and nurses. All three of my roommates are nurses. And I told them, like I'm learning on a foe, I said, after my two years here, I want to listen to a conversation that you're having and understand all of it. It's like learning another language when the medical speak starts to go. But they, there's 65 inpatient beds 
approximately 150 Togolese employees, um, that's not including the American and Canadian expats, and approximately 100 outpatients are seen a day, depending on how many providers there are in the clinic. So we have an outpatient clinic and then an inpatient hospital. Um, always very busy. When I left, wait time at the gate was 13 days. So <laughs> a little, little busy now. Um, and we have a, about four country reach, but we, um, there's Ghana, Burkina Faso, Benin, Togo, of course, but we also get patients from the surrounding kind of outskirting countries as well. So broad reach to spread the gospel. There's a full-time chaplain staff that gets to talk to almost every patient, inpatient, and then our, their own call for outpatients as well. And so this, I am their accountant. I'm not medical. I'm their accountant, and I get to work um, with two Togolese accountants. I do more of the American fund side of the operation. Um, so that's a picture of my office. I get a nice corner office, so room with the view. And then a picture of the gate. And you can kind of see some patients waiting there. They wait there until their number is called. Next patient, or next slide, please. So in the Anafo culture, family is a really big deal. And in, in fact, there's not a word for cousin. There's not a word for niece and nephew. Because everyone that you're related to is either mom or dad, son or daughter, They're brother and sister. They're all family. It's a big, big deal. And so I wanted to tell you a little bit about family that I've been adopted to into over in Togo. So there's a missionary family. So you have the Togolese and then the missionaries. And there's a missionary family over there who has four boys. He's, the husband is the director of the hospital. He's my boss. The wife, Melissa, is a doctor. And they have four boys. And um, Wednesday nights, we have a prayer meeting. And I was getting ready to go to the prayer meeting. I swung into the Ethan's office, and I said, Ethan, what time is the prayer meeting? And he was like, it's at 7 o'clock. And it was like 5.30 at this point. He says, why don't you come over for dinner? And I was like, okay. So I met his family. I met his wife, got to know them. A couple weeks later, they were like, Tara, why don't you come over every Wednesday? You now have a standing dinner invitation with us. And I was like, okay, this is great. Still getting to know their family, still getting to know their boys couple weeks later, they all have their names written on the bottom of a cup. And Melissa says, Tara, we were redoing our cups today, and we wrote your name on a cup. And I was like, oh, cool, thanks. And she goes, outside of our family, only two other people have their names on a cup. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, so this is a big deal. And she said, this is a big deal. <laughs> And I was ecstatic. I called my mom. I called my dad. And I was like, guess what? I have my name on a cup. <laughs> and they were like, great. And I was like, no, you don't understand. That means that I'm part of their family. And the boys call me Aunt Tara. And the um, third one, Aiden there, whenever he, whenever the parents go, Aunt Tara's not a guest anymore. She's family. He always goes, that's right. <laughs> so they're like a little piece of family. Next slide. My, so this is a photo of my best friend over there. His name is Joseph. He's actually the son. We have, my house has a cook who comes in once a week and cooks for us. And so that's his mom. Just a great family. The husband is a nurse at the hospital, and she has three kids total, with Joseph being the youngest. Christian family down from the south. 
and just it's a highlight of my week to get to go spend a little bit of time with them. I always make sure I'm home when they're at my house and um, just a highlight of my week and kind of becoming a Togolese family of mine as well. Next slide. So more family. I have three gate guards as well. And the one that's pictured there, he always greets me with bonjour, tanti, which means hello, auntie, which is a little interesting considering that he's probably got at least 20 years on me. <laughs> but he always has a smile on his face and is always like we go through all the greetings and he tells me all about his family and helps me with my onifo. I also have two other guards that are more stoic and I make it a personal mission of mine to get them to smile and laugh. Half of the time that happens by me butchering on a foe and them patiently going, no, 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 say it this way, <laughs> even though they've already told me a thousand times. Um, quick story about Salou there. He's probably one of the more talkative ones with me. And so he was telling me about how families there work. And he goes, okay, so uh, if you're chief, you come from this family. And if you're this, you come from this family. And I was like, oh, really? And he goes, my family brought Islam to Mongo. And I was like, oh. And he goes, the imams come from my family. He was very proud of that fact. And I said, oh, really? And he was like, yes. And I said, well, have you ever, like, I was like, you've been working with us missionaries for a very, very long time. He's one of the first employees that we hired. And I was like, what do you think about Christianity? And he's like, well, it's all the same. He goes, it's very similar. And I was like, but there's... Let's just say, for argument's sake, that it is similar. There's a big, big difference, and that difference makes all the difference. And he goes, yes, yes, yes. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe he's a prophet. But besides that, it's all the same. And I said, have you ever read the Bible, Salu, or heard the Bible? And he goes, uh, and I was like, if I gave you a little SD card with it on it, would you listen to it? And he was like, Oh, okay, yes, yes, Tanti, I would love that, which is very common. It's hard. To, they're very agreeable people. If you say, would you like something, nine out of ten times the answer is going to be yes, I would like that, even if they don't really. But I gave him this SD card that you're supposed to be able to put in your iPhone, or in your phone, and he goes, oh, it won't fit in my phone. I'll need to get a radio. And I was like, okay. And that was the end of that conversation. A couple weeks later, he comes up. He goes, Tanti, I bought a radio to listen to the Bible that you got me. And I was like, oh, that's awesome, Salu. And he, I was like, ask me if you have any questions. So if you would just keep praying for him, um, just being from his family, and it would be huge if he did accept Jesus, but it would also be very hard um, for him. But just like, yeah, just encouraging that he's open. He bought the radio himself to listen to the Bible. Um, so it was encouraging for that. Um, my hospital family, I know being in my job, I got to, I get to work with most of the employees. I was involved with implementing an employee time clock system. And me in my first week at the job erased all of the fingerprints that had already been done in the machine. Yay! <laughs> So then I had to go through to all 150 employees and say, I need your fingerprint. And they all said, but I've already done it. And I said, well, it got erased. I need your fingerprint. <laughs> In that, though, I got to meet and got to get to know a couple of, or all of the employees. So that's just been really great that I can walk through the hospital now. I just still don't know all of them. 
Um, but at least get to know different departments. Um, and I actually got invited to one of the employees' weddings, so me and a group of friends got to go. And just my neighbor ladies, um, my roommate was here before me, and she got to know the neighbor ladies and invited them over. One of them actually accepted Jesus in our living room um, before I got there. But just building relationships long-term um, and just trying to bring up spiritual conversations in a heavily Muslim area. Next slide, please. Then I have my missionary family as well. I know a lot of you guys have been praying for my roommate situation, and I just want to say thank you. I have three amazing roommates. We just got the last one a week before I came here, and she's going to be with me the longest, and I already know that we're all just going to be get along so well. So thank you. That is such an answer to prayer. Um, just and then just the other the other missionaries that are there too. We go on motor rides. We live life together. It's a unique situation where you work and live life together. So that brings all the growing pains of family. You fight, but at the end of the day, we all love Jesus. We're all there for the same purpose, and at the end of the day, we all love each other. So we're all the big Togolese family. Next slide. And a small update about my um, village ministries that I'm involved with. Just the family keeps growing, right? As I said, all people that you pretty much meet are family. Um, I'm involved with Two village ministries, one on Sunday mornings, one on Wednesdays. And then the um, missionary boys, actually, the teen boys had a kids club on Saturdays that I kind of barged into and said, I'll lead the Bible story. (laughs) And they were like, okay, Terry, you can lead the Bible story. We'll lead the games. And I said, deal. Um, And so just getting to work with them, getting to hear the kids' questions, and uh, like like the Withams were saying, it's hard to know what the kids are grasping, um, especially with the language barrier. They don't speak French. They speak um, onophone gongam, which, or onophone mosi, or they just speak different languages. And sometimes I have two translations going, and I have no idea what's being said. The kids will say something. I have no idea what's being said. And then sometimes I don't have translators, and I don't know what's being said. God is amazing, and even on those days where I'm like, they didn't get anything, and I just watched a kid punch another kid, and this kid over there is crying, and that kid just threw food. There's always somebody who goes, I know the answer to the question you just asked, or, oh, let's sing this song that, like, we know about Jesus, and just amazing to see how God is still coming through, even when I'm like, well, I can't do it, and that's just it. I can't do it. It's God doing it through me. Next slide, please. Another prayer request that I would like you to um, keep in your prayers. Uh, Before I left, I was talking with my dad, and he's like, Tara, there's a sewing school that we've been a part of. We know the director. He's a good Christian guy um, in Mongo. We've, ever since we've been going to Mongo, we make sure to stop by the sewing school. Um, It's for girls who have been sold into prostitution or... Um, it's like it's an orphanage, but as the Withams kind of said for theirs in Myanmar, it, they're not always legitimate orphans. It's sometimes economical, sometimes cultural, just bad, bad family situations. And so Nobaji will come and bring the girls out of their homes and put them into this uh, sewing school to teach them a trade, tell them the gospel. And my dad said their rages from 13 to 17, 12 to 17 Dad said, or Tara, I really think that you would do good with those girls. And I said, we'll see. <laughs> so we get over there, 
And I kind of get into my swing of things. I start a Bible study with the missionary teen girls, and I have my other kids' ministries going. And he said, again, Tara, I just really see you with these with these teen Togolese girls. And I said, Dad, I just have so much going on. I don't know what I can do. Like, no. And one day I was over at the school, and Nobaji was sitting there, and he goes, Tara, he goes, Tara, will you come and do a Bible study with my girls just one day? And he goes, I'm trying to tell them about Jesus, but I know that you're a peer of theirs, and they'll hear it better from you. And I said, okay, nobody, we'll make it work. And then I started to get really excited about it. And I went to a fellow missionary, and I said, Susie, I'm doing a Bible study with a group of girls. I don't know what to do. And we came up with starting going through the book of Ruth because I can make parallels between what they're going through, what Ruth is going through, and bring it, like, tie in Jesus, tie in God as, like, a father who provides. So my first day I'm standing there, and I say, has anyone gone through Ruth before? And I have 24 girls standing there just staring at me. And my translator goes, Tara, none of these girls are Christians. Like, they don't know anything. And the one girl in the front row raises her hand and goes, but I'm a Christian. And I was like, have you gone through Ruth? And she goes, no. (laughs) Which doesn't mean she's not a Christian, but just literally starting from square zero. And with 23 of them who Muslim families, I realized in that moment, I was like, I've never done this before. I've talked to little kids. I talked to, you know, you talk to adults, but like getting this opportunity to to do a Bible study with someone who has never like, really experienced God who's never heard about Ruth is I was like, well, like, I don't, I don't know if I know how to handle this. And just one day we were talking about, um, why did Ruth stay with Naomi and not Orpah stay with Naomi? And they were talking about, um, well, they were like, well, maybe Ruth loved Naomi more. And I said, well, yeah, but I'm sure Orpah loved Naomi too, right? Like mother-in-law, like what was different? with Ruth versus Orpah. And they kind of looked at me and then it was like, you know, I think it was like God was speaking to Ruth because Ruth said, your God will be my God. Like, yes, she loved Naomi, but she wanted Naomi's God. And like God was working in Ruth's heart at that moment because Ruth wasn't a Christian. She came from a pagan land, but she saw that what Ruth had, sorry, what Naomi had was different and she wanted that. She wanted to be a part of that family because she had no other family. She had, she wanted Naomi to be her family with the true God. And so just talking to the girls and they were all like, wow, you know, like no, but no grand professions of faith, but just like you kind of saw them starting to think through it. And like, um, I turned the one Bible study into a, now every week that I'm there, I'm going to the Bible study and my roommates are coming with me now. So just please continue to pray for her to continue to pray for that, um, that God just works in their life and that as we build more relationships with them, we can just kind of get to know their stories better. I know their names, but I don't know their stories yet. Um, and just, yeah, just pray for that whole situation. Next slide. What better way to show that you're a part of the family of God than publicly announce that you're a member of our family, right? Um, so, in the village Bible study in Narkuku, I go to the adult study in the morning and the kids club in the afternoon. And the leader of the adult study did a whole month long series on baptism. And after that, he goes, okay, 
we're going to do baptisms. And I said, okay, I want to be there for these baptisms. I'm getting ready to go back home for this, to the States for Christmas. I want to be there. And he goes, okay, we're doing them on Wednesday, like this coming Wednesday. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and so they rallied and nine people, two men and seven women publicly declared their faith in Christ. And it was just amazing to see people standing on the banks singing. They're, they're resurrected with Jesus. They all did the walk into the river and just publicly proclaimed that they belong to this family now. They're followers of Jesus Christ. So what, just an amazing moment to get to experience. Next slide, please. So the Bible says in Luke 10, 20, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. And John 1, 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So I was ecstatic that my name got written on a plastic cup in a family on this earth. How much more ecstatic should we be that our names are recorded in the eternal book of life by our heavenly father who like allows us to come into his family. And as I called my family and yelled, I have my name on a cup. <laughs> How much more should we say, my name is recorded in the book to everyone that we meet. And not only as, as not only can my name be recorded, but your name can be recorded too. You can be a son or a daughter of the ultimate father of the most high. Um, so I just thought that that was such a, the ultimate family to belong to is God's family. And like, it's amazing how we all have that opportunity to belong. Next slide, please. So a couple prayer requests. I've shared a couple um, as I went, but just I'm getting ready to head back on Friday. So just prayers for that. It's a, my total travel itinerary just flying is 18 hours. Um, and then I have a nine hour flight or sorry, nine hour drive on the other side. So just long time of travel. I um, appreciate those prayers for that. For those that we work with to be receptive to the gospel, um, a lot of the hospital employees, are not Christians. We did something different with this hospital than with the Southern hospital is we did hire non-Christians. Um, it's a great time to get to talk to people and for Christians to be the light for the Christian nurses there, the Togolese Christians to kind of step up and show Jesus to their own. And also a good reminder for us missionaries, like, yes, we are working. We do kind of get into a working routine, but to remember why are we here? You know, we can remember that here too, right? Why are we here? We're here to tell people about Jesus. We're here to show Jesus his love. Um, so just prayers for that. And also for the existing churches and Bible studies, um, again, a parallel to Myanmar, we need men to rise up and to lead and to be lead these Bible studies, lead their families. Um, most of the churches are women, which is great, um, women and children, but the men, the man is just such an important part of the family in Togo, um, and an important part of the family here, but just such an important part. Um, so for men to rise up and be two Christian leaders would just be amazing. Um, so thank you, Anche Beberebe, um, Atus, merci beaucoup. Thank you very much, church. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you so much for your support. Um, I feel the love. I feel the support all the way in Togo, and I know all of us do. Thank you. Boy, how do you follow that? Tara is the most joyful, bubbly accountant I have ever met. <laughs> Amen. 
But, uh, boy, God is working in her life and um, grateful for her testimony, grateful for the Withens' testimony and how uh, the field is widened unto harvest there, as well as in Togo. And they're having an opportunity to go and and see some of that harvest reaped. And um, so I just want to encourage us. You know, we need to be seeing the the next generation of Emmanuel Baptist Church going to Togo. And uh, and Tara is um, has started that. But, uh, you know, we have uh, several people in our church who are uh, longtime stakeholders in this ministry in Togo, but uh, they're becoming of age, <laughs> getting a little up there. And we need the next generation to to go as well. So if God's laying it on your heart to uh, do something short, short term, whether it be Myanmar or Togo, uh, see uh, Tara or Jim and Melody or, or Fred and uh, find out uh, when the next opportunity might be.